The fruit of his mouth a man is satisfied with good, and the work of a man's hand comes back to him. Now let me read it from, in an alternative way that's just as true. From the fruit of her mouth a woman is satisfied with good, and the work of a woman's hand comes back to her. So it's legitimate to look at that both ways. Then over to Ephesians chapter 4. I'll pick up with verse 25. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. And then finally, to 1 Peter chapter 3. We start with verse 8. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. <clears throat> May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. Over the years I've seen so many people who, uh, you know, they, they, they talk to me about different things that, that are concerning them. You know, like, for example, uh, I've often seen, uh, heard people, you know, talk about, they kept saying, well, I hope I don't get cancer. I hope I don't get cancer. Oh, I think I might get cancer. You know, my family had cancer, but I hope I don't get cancer. And, and they talk about it, and they talk about it, and talk about it. And it's been interesting to me that, and just as an anecdotal observation, the more I've heard people talk about cancer, the more likely it has been to see that one day they got cancer. Now, I can't say that there's a scientific correlation between the two, but I certainly have noticed this in over 30 years of ministry, uh, this kind of pattern. Uh, or patterns of, of people say, 
uh, you know, I really don't like people. People are jerks. They really bother me. They really annoy me. Uh, I, I really don't care for them all that much. And they, and they talk about that and they criticize people and, and they knock people down all the time. And, uh, and then they wonder that they don't have any friends. And it just kind of creates a, a vicious circle. Uh, or I've seen a, a consistent pattern too that the people who will criticize their government, uh, whether it be government, secular government, or even governing uh, people in the church like elders and pastors and things like that, that the more they criticize, the worse the government seems to get. And you know, the, the worse their church seems to be, at least in their own opinion. Uh, or I've seen parents talk about their children and they say, yeah, they're rascals, they're, they're uncontrollable, they misbehave all the time. And, 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 and their children might not be present when they say these things, but it seems the more they talk that way, the more their children begin to behave or misbehave uh, in the way that they're talking. And, and pretty soon, if you see this enough and you see these kinds of patterns, you start to realize that maybe the Bible is true when it says in Proverbs that life and death are in the power of the tongue. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And we've been talking about living the good life. And everybody wants to live the good life. And we've been talking about the foundation of the good life, having your character changed in Jesus Christ and how God provides everything good. And last week we talked about how important it is for us to do good. And we do need to do good. But one of the things that we often don't consider when it comes to living the good life is the importance not only of doing good, but also of speaking good. We are called to speak good, not only to do good. Now, I know those of you who are grammarians will say, well, that's, you speak well, don't you mean? Yeah, okay. Uh, but we need to speak good, so allow me this. You get the message. We need to speak good, and speaking good is absolutely essential to living the good life, especially for us as Christians. In fact, I would say it this way, you cannot lead and live a good life unless you learn how to speak good. Unless you learn how to proclaim good. Now, I'm not talking about some kind of uh, pie-in-the-sky wishful thinking. You know, this is not the power of positive thinking, although, actually, positive thinking does have some power to it. You know, this is not about a, a name it and claim it kind of approach to things whereby just by speaking something, you can create something out of thin air. God's the one who does that, not us as human beings. <clears throat> but there is a power when we speak good. And the Bible calls speaking good blessing. There is a power when we bless. And the reason why there's a power when we speak good or when we bless is because we have the creative spirit of God living inside of us. The very same spirit who is hovering over the waters of creation, the very same spirit by whom God created the world simply by speaking, and it was so, 
that same spirit lives inside of us who follow Jesus Christ, who are saved by grace through faith. Jesus, when we come into relationship with Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God lives inside of us and transforms us in our spirit and gives us new life in Christ Jesus at the very deepest level of our being. And so the Spirit of God lives in us as Christians, as believers, and therefore, when we speak, our speaking has a prophetic power that comes from the Spirit of God living inside of us. And so for us as believers, for everybody, it's important to speak good, to bless, but especially for us as believers, it is essential for us to speak good if we are to lead a good life. We must learn how to bless, to speak blessing, to speak good in every situation of our life. In every situation of our life. When we look at the scriptures today, the scriptures give us two core principles about speaking good. The first one is there in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 14. From the fruit of his mouth, a man is satisfied with good, and the work of a man's hand comes back to him. In other words, Solomon is saying here that good words bring good fruit. Speaking good produces good fruit in your life. Speaking good can produce good outcomes in your life. Learning how to bless, learning how to speak good is essential if you want to be satisfied with a good life. If you don't learn how to speak good, you cannot be satisfied with a good life. And then the second principle here is there in 1 Peter chapter 3. We were called to bless so that we might obtain a blessing. We are called to bless. Did you guess this? Peter says, now don't repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. Reviling, what is that? Oh, Theresa May is a terrible prime minister. That's reviling. Oh, that uh, I really don't like this sister in Christ. That's, that's reviling. You know, any kind of criticism, particularly any kind of personality attack, any kind of slight against another person, that's reviling. And Peter says, don't do it because you were called to bless. Bless because this is why you were called. This is the reason that God has put us in the earth, in part, is to bless. That's what Peter's saying here. And as we bless, as we speak good, we receive a blessing from speaking good. Blessing comes in our lives. Now, blessing comes in our lives not just so we can be blessed, although there's nothing wrong with being blessed, by the way. But blessing comes in our lives not only so we can be blessed, but also so we can continue to bless even more. Because we're called to bless. We are called to bless. And, and in this context, even though we can talk a lot about blessing people by giving them money, you know, I want to bless you with some money, I want to bless you by taking you out to dinner, uh, I want to bless you with a gift, uh, and, and that's, that's a legitimate use of the word in English, but when we're talking about this word here in the Greek, it means specifically to speak. It's about speaking. 
And in particular, it is about speaking good. And it's no accident then that Peter chooses the, the text from the Old Testament that he does to support this point. Because blessing is a key to loving your life and seeing good days. Verse, verse 10 there. Whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. It's a key to loving your life and seeing good days. Blessing also is a key to effective prayer. And we can often miss this. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, it's no accident that Peter puts us here. So he's saying here that we are called to bless. We need to bless, even if we're reviled, even if people don't bless us. We bless them because as we bless, we're fulfilling our calling and we receive a blessing. And that is the key to enjoying our life, to having the good life, to living the good life. And that's also a key to effective prayer in our lives. And many people don't have answered prayer or many people struggle in prayer because they have not learned how to bless. And sometimes you get that in the prayer. You'll know, you get people who pray, oh God, you know, smite down these foul stench-like people that are sitting next to me in the pew. Oh, God, oh, they're so terrible, and you know how bad the world is and how awful the world is and how they deserve eternal damnation with fire. And I pray, Lord God, that because they're so bad that you'd cook them extra crispy and make it hurt all the time. And, and you know, I make fun of it, but I've actually heard people pray these kinds of prayers. And God doesn't respond to that. Because God has called us to bless, to speak good. I remember my mom used to say, son, if you can't say anything good, then don't say anything at all. And that's really what the text is saying. So if we want to live the good life, if we want to experience the blessings of God, if we want to have favor with God in our prayers, if we want to be satisfied with our lives, then we must bless. We must speak good. But how do we do that? Well, in the passage we read in Ephesians, and I'm not going to go through this verse by verse, but I'm going to give you the, the highlights here. In, in that passage we read, Paul gives us ten things. Yeah, I know 10 is a big number, but I'll go through them quickly. Five things are negative and five things are positive. So five things, don't do this if you want to speak blessing, uh, if you want to speak good. Don't do these things. And five of them are, okay, these are examples of speaking good, a blessing. So let's take the ones that are negative first, okay? Paul says, do not speak falsehood. Don't lie. Don't lie. You know, when I'm working with, with young guys, uh, young people, I always tell them, let me, let me tell you, the worst truth is better than the best lie. I'd much rather you tell me the truth and it be the worst thing I can possibly imagine than try to lie to me. Uh, so Paul says, do not speak falsehood. Do not speak falsehood. If we're speaking falsehood, I know we're not blessing. And by falsehood, 
Paul here is talking about an intentional deception. Now, a lot of times, and this is happening a lot in our society, in the, in the Twitterverse and on, you know, if somebody says something that's not, you know, 100% literally correct in the original English, uh, then, they're, then they're attacked because of it. If you find anything that you, you say, oh, well, you know, that, that sounds like that person is deceptive, then you accuse them of deceiving. Uh, and there are many things that are taken out of context and people then are accused of lying. There are many times that people don't intend to deceive or might say something that's not accurate and they don't realize it's not accurate. Those things are not falsehood. It's just getting it wrong. And we all get it wrong from time to time. So he says, do not speak falsehood. The second thing, uh, I'll summarize it like this, do not speak out of anger. Now, he said, doesn't say don't be angry. You can't help being angry. Some things just make us angry. But he says, in your anger, don't sin and don't let the sun go down in your anger. So, and otherwise, you'll give the devil a foothold. So we'd say, do not speak out of anger. Hold your tongue. The things that get us most in trouble are where we speak out of anger or we write an email out of anger or we make a tweet out of anger or send a text message out of anger. Then the third thing, and this is what, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. Do not speak things that are offensive, rotten, and corrupting. Now, what is corrupting talk? Now, we'd look at that, and the way we'd use that in common parlance, we might think that that means something that, you know, maybe dirty jokes or something like that. And that's not really what he's talking about. To get the idea of corruption, this is what happens to a body when it's dead. It starts to rot. And so, imagine somebody fixing you a meal, and fixing you a meal of the, the finest Angus steak that you can imagine. So they've got a steak and say they're going to they're gonna make it uh, kind of a roast. So we wouldn't do a, a, a steak uh, for a roast. We'd do some other cut of meat. You can tell I'm not the chef in the family. Uh, so pick that cut of meat. And so you take half of that meat and then half, uh, half of the roast is meat that you've left out for, oh, let's say about two weeks. It's got a few maggots on it. Uh, they're kind of eating away. They're growing up. Uh, and then you put the two meats together and you cook them up for your lovely Sunday dinner. That's the image that Paul's going after here. This is talk that brings ugliness, the, the distastefulness, anything that will cause rotting. Another way to look at it is fruit. How many of you know that if you have a rotten apple and you put a rotten apple in a, in a group of very healthy, ripe apples, all the ripe apples will get rotten. Do you know it never happens the other way? I've tried. Doesn't happen the other way. Well, I haven't really tried. But uh, uh, that's the idea. So don't let anything come out of your mouth that might cause rottenness to come into somebody else. Then, the fourth thing... Do not speak things that grieve the Spirit. He says, do not grieve the Spirit of God with whom you were sealed with re uh, on the day of redemption. Do you know, if you speak negative things over other people, you're grieving the Spirit of God. If you speak judgmentalism over other people, you're grieving the Spirit of God. 
So don't speak in a way that grieves the Holy Spirit. And do not speak anything that's bitter, wrathful, anger, clamor, slander, or malice. Malice is where you, you, you're picking at other people and you're trying to get them by what you say. You know that. Slander is where you speak against another person, particularly their character. Clamor is where you get louder and louder and louder and louder and you're starting to argue and, you know, that's clamor. Uh, anger, we know. Wrath is where you're trying to get at people. You kind of get revenge. And bitterness is that comes out of unforgiveness and things. And don't speak anything around that. And they're all connected because if you allow unforgiveness to stay in your life, it will turn to wrath, it will turn to anger, it will tend to make you clamorous with other people, Uh, you will slander other people, and you'll want bad things to happen to them. So don't do that. Don't speak those kinds of things. So Paul says, do not speak in this way. If you speak in this way, by definition, you are not speaking good. You are not speaking blessing. So what are the five things that he says that are positive? Do speak truth. Be honest. Now understand, when you speak truth, if it's your perspective, make sure that it's your perspective. And you say that. You know, from my perspective, I see it this way. Uh, A lot of times we get into an argument, you know, and say, well, you know, what does this verse mean? Well, this verse means this. No, it doesn't. You're an idiot. It means this. And we oftentimes say things that are our perspective as if it was, you know, the way it actually is. And we all have that tendency. But our goal is to speak truth, to be open, to be honest about what we're saying, about our uncertainty, if we're uncertainty, but speak truth. Secondly, then, Paul says, speak that which will build somebody else up. Is what you're saying Is what you're saying going to help somebody or will it tear them down? Then third, speak at an appropriate time and in an appropriate way, as befits the occasion, Paul says. You know, sometimes we can say absolutely the right thing at the wrong time. And it becomes the wrong thing. And there are some people that do that just to get a rise out of other people. And it makes it very difficult because if somebody's saying the right thing but it's at the wrong time and you feel wrong about it but you can't really correct it because you know, they're, they're, what they said is actually right but it's, it's wrong uh, and it becomes very confusing. So it's important for us to speak, if we're speaking blessing, speak the right thing at the right time and in the right way. If you're in a, in a quiet conversation, to speak things loudly is the wrong way. You get the message there. Then fourth, speak grace. Speak only that which gives grace to those who hear. Speak things that are favorable. Speak things that are are grace-giving to other people. And then finally, speak in a way that is kind, tender-hearted, and forgiving to others. And that word forgiving is a different word for forgiveness than as you say in the Lord's Prayer. The word there literally means to give grace. So uh, the first give grace is about speaking something that is favorable, that is pleasant, uh, that will encourage people, that will lift people up. This kind of give grace is giving people the benefit of the doubt. Giving people the benefit of the doubt. 
I was having a, an email conversation with somebody uh, following on uh, uh, from a, a, a personal interaction, uh, and this person labeled something and, and did so in a way that actually is, is rather, can be rather spiritually abusive, and was, it was wrong. Uh, it's not a person in the church, by the way. And so I responded and I said, you know, I'm glad that we met together because I feel like when we met together, I sensed your heart. And so I'm fairly confident you didn't intend this. But in my experience, when people use this kind of word to label something, it becomes a subtle form of spiritual abuse that tries to manipulate other people to get what, what you want them to do. And I'm pretty sure that you didn't desire to do this. And so I was able to give grace to the person, give them the benefit of the doubt. Whereas, you know, the, in a former life, I would have really taken them to task for this. But instead of going after them on it, I was able to give them grace. And that's what Paul is talking about here. Be kind and tenderhearted, giving the benefit of doubt to others, just as God has done that to us. Because he's given us grace in Jesus Christ. And so when we stop doing the five things and start doing the other five things, speak truth, speak what builds up, speak in an appropriate time and in an appropriate way, speak grace, and speak in a way that is kind, tenderhearted, and giving grace, giving others the benefit of the doubt. As we do that, we can speak good. And we must speak good. We as Christians are called to speak good. And if we want to see our city changed and we want to see lives changed, it will only happen as we discipline ourselves to speak good. You know, the Proverbs also says that by the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. I've seen many people over my 15 years in London walk around and say, London is a dirty place. Oh, it's foul. Uh, it's filled with, with miserable people and there's demons everywhere. Demons, it's all demons. And, and I see everything, demon behind everything. And it's just like, and, and I know that London can get a little dirty. I know there's a lot of demonized people around me. Uh, you know, one guy, a prophetic guy in Europe, he used to walk around and say, oh, London, it's a cesspool. It's a cesspool. It's a cesspool. And finally, after hearing him say that about three or four times on three or four different occasions, I looked at him and said, yeah, you know, London might be a cesspool, but it's my cesspool. I resolve to speak well. I resolve to speak good. I resolve to bless because that's what we're called to do. And I know that if I'm going to live the good life and you're going to live the good life, it will only happen as we speak blessing. And that's the great benefit that we have as Christians because God has given us in His Son Jesus Christ the power to bless. God did not send Jesus to condemn the world to speak condemnation to the world, but so that the world might be saved through him, according to John chapter 3. This is why Jesus has come, and this is what we have been called to do. And as we speak blessing over our workplace, as we speak blessing over our government, as we speak blessing over our children, as we speak blessing over our churches, as we speak blessing over our cities, that power of that blessing will release blessing into the city so that people will come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. 
I often, when I'm praying for people, will say, God, bless them with repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, so they can escape the snare of the devil who's taking them captive to do his will. We can bless people, we can pray blessing, we can speak blessing, and we can see blessing come, not only to the city around us, not only to our children and our churches and our schools and everything else, but also to us. And we were called to speak good. We were called to bless. And in doing so, we learn how to live the good life to the glory and praise of our God and Savior. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for the power that you've given us to speak blessing. Lord, I pray that you would teach us to speak good. Teach us to speak good. Teach us to bless. Because that's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to do. Lord, I pray that you would stop our tongues from speaking anything that does not bless. Stop our tongues so that they will be tongues of blessing and so that through blessing we might be satisfied with life. Through blessing we might see lives around us change and even our city change to the glory of God in Jesus Christ. We love you, we praise you, we honor you and adore you. And we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.